Jesus, you're the wind beneath my wings. Sweet Jesus, you're my melody and harmony. Shall we pray? Sweet Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for another opportunity to live for you. And we ask that may Christ alone be exalted in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow, we thank God for not giving up on us. We thank God for loving us with an everlasting love. I'm so excited this evening. And I think it's because we're about to share the word of God. We are continuing our study on the parable of the loving father. The parable of the loving father. And last week, we looked at the first verse where the son asked his father for his share of the inheritance. And we did a perusal of that verse. So this evening, we are privileged also to have our anointed woman of God. Bene, you know, she take us through this light outside of our house. So, Mama Bene. Okay, we bless God for another evening and I'm thankful for the opportunity. So, um, last week, we were considering the parable of the loving father and our main scripture is from Luke chapter 15. And last week, we learned that the scribes or the, the Pharisees, they had a complaint against Jesus. And it was this, that Jesus Christ was a man who received sinners and ate or dined with them. So Jesus, in the verse 3, the Bible said, he spoke this parable to them saying, which means that Jesus Christ was answering their complaints with a parable. But when you take a look at the verse 15, you realize that Jesus actually gave three different parables. So you would ask or you wonder why the Bible said this parable. When you take a good look at the three parables, you realize that they have a very similar structure. It may have been the same parable, but then Jesus might have thought them or said it in three different ways. So the first one, a man lost his sheep and then he had 100 sheep, lost one, and then left the 99 to find the lost sheep. So a man loses something. He went through a stream extent and then when he found it, there was joy in the house. And the second one, a woman had um, 10 coins. She lost one coin. She went through a stream extent and when she found it, there was joy in the home. So you realize that it has like a similar structure. So we'll be looking at the third one and by the end of the third parable, we will know that it's also similar to this particular structure. From the first two parables, you realize that, and one thing I didn't talk about last week is that one is a very, very important quantity. You realize that the man and the woman, they never waited for two, three, four to be missing or to be lost before they went out to search. And, and from the and parables, first one, after the first one, the Bible says that, likewise, when a, a sinner repents, there is joy in heaven. God did not say when thousand souls are won, God did not say when five souls are won, there is joy in heaven. But then when one soul is won, or when one sinner repents, there is joy in heaven, which means that we are precious in the eyes of God. So you should consider yourself very precious and very valuable, irrespective of who you are. So we are very important to God and we shouldn't look down on ourselves, neither should we look down on another. So 
last week we started with the third parable and the third parable jesus christ began by seeing a certain man so the focus of the parable is actually the man and not really the son and so and most of us know it to be the prodigal son the parable of the prodigal son but we'll be um considering or we'll be discussing and studying it as the parable of the loving father so our main focus would be the father so last week we said this young son demanded his inheritance from his father and you know culturally and and law fleets was on head of it's unthinkable for a son to say my father i want my inheritance right now it was a very like grave insult and, and, and a sign of disrespect to the parents and we said last week that it means that he wanted the father dead so when we look at the parable we didn't see any the, the father's reaction whether the father was surprised the father was shocked or whether the father questioned him and i think the father might have been so grieved to the heart that he had no words to say to this particular son so i ended by asking the question that you think the son believed the lie that there was a better life outside the father's house a better life of joy and satisfaction outside the father's house so i think you've considered it you've thought about it and today we'll be answering the question so we are considering life outside the father's house today so we'll start by taking our bibles if you have your bible chapter 15 I'll be reading when I reach a particular verse. I'll stop and I'll try my best to explain and then we'll move on. So I'll start reading from verse 12. It says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of those that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far place, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So the Bible said not many days. So this son was so so desperate. <laughs> he was so so desperate. He he wanted everything fast fast. So he was so in high hopes for his adventure. He wanted to go out. So he was in high hopes. He didn't wait. He didn't delay. He took all that he gathered and then he journeyed. The Bible said he journeyed to a far place. So he wasn't within the area his father was. When we talk about a far country or a far place, it depicts a, a place we desire to be outside God's influence. It's like a, um, a place of forgetfulness of God where you live your life without thoughts of God or without what God will think of you. Sometimes we call it backslidden. It's like a person has backslidden. And one will consider why would um, a person or why would the son um, want to be in a far place or a far country? And there are various reasons. One of them could be freedom. Perhaps the son wanted to be free from all the responsibilities in the house. The son might have thought that the father was being like a, a pain. So he wanted to be free from the influence of the father. And we can see it in our days. A lot of us, we think that going to church, like working with God is full of too many responsibilities and we would want to like get out. We want to be free to do whatever we want. But the true fact is that true freedom is in the father's house and not outside the father's house. And as we progress, we'll get to understand it. The fact is that um, you are a slave to one thing or the other. So the son might have thought, well, I'm a slave to the father. Like the father is using me to do a lot of things. like do this do that the house he had responsibilities in the house and he might have thought that he was in so much for the father and he wanted to go out but 
I want to say that you are a slave to one thing or the other. Romans chapter 6 verse 16, like I'm paraphrasing, it says that you are a slave to what or who you will be. So some people are slaves to their desires, um, some people are slaves to the opinions of men, some people are slaves to the devil. So you decide, decide for yourself. You see that you're a slave to one thing or the other. So decide to be a slave of God unto righteousness and not that of sin. So we should know that there is real freedom in Christ. And in Christ, the Bible says that when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. True freedom is not outside of God. True freedom is not imparting, like having your own and, and having to do whatever you desire. But you find true freedom in Christ. And also sin is enticing. You know, sin looks nice. So some people um, are enticed to go to the far country to pursue sin. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, I'm taking and just a part. It says the passing pleasures of sin. So you know, um, you can see that sin has a pleasure that comes with it. Sin is pleasurable, but then it is past and it is temporary. So sin does not give you a lasting pleasure. You see, some of us, we were um, trained in Christian homes, but then we look at our friends outside in the church and then what do you do? It's so nice to us. They go to the club, they go to wherever they want, they do whatever they find pleasing and you mind be enticed to follow them, to leave your father's house, to journey with them to the far country. But then you should know that sin has a pleasure. It comes with a pleasure, but this pleasure of sin is passing and it's not. And the Bible also said that he guarded all together, all that his father gave him. He guarded it all together and he wasted it on prodigal living. You see, when you leave God or when you go to a far country, you take with you God and the possessions, the talents, the abilities, the time and everything that God has blessed you with and you go there to waste them in, a, in, in the practice of sin. With sin, you never get a profit. You are always or you always get a loss. And when we talk about prodigal living, actually that's um, how the parable of prodigal son it was coined from prodigal living means and um, living without care in thrift like you spend anyhow so this son squandered the possessions that the father gave him and it's interesting to note that the famine came right after the son had spent all that he had it wasn't during and spending, perhaps he would have considered saving some more. He would have been more considerate in his spending. But then it came right, or let's say, after he had spent everything. So the thing is, life outside the father's house is full of uncertainties. Yeah, you can never be too sure. And sometimes they say it's not user friendly. So everyone can do a particular thing. Everyone can indulge in a particular thing, and then they might not have their reward at that particular moment. But you will go there, and once you engage in that particular and you realize that the result becomes disastrous. So do not be enticed to sin or do anything outside what God would want you to do. And so um, let me continue from verse 14. The Bible says, but when, sorry, it's like I even went ahead of myself, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. 
Yeah. So um, the Bible says that he began to lean once. Obviously, he had spent all that he had and he was in need. So the Bible said he joined himself to a citizen of that particular country. And some some writers say that the joint himself it speaks of let's say a contract or a deal. He made a deal with that particular citizen. And other versions of the Bible um confirm it. They, they say he was hired by that particular citizen or he was um, employed. So the, the truth of the matter is the son who was having so so much was now hired he was now a hired servant he had been reduced from having so so much spending it extravagantly to being in wants and now he was a hired servant he was being paid to do something and let us look at his job the nature of his job for the jews the jews really hated pigs they saw pigs as unclean animals and you can even see it from deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 8 talks about the fact that um, they are not supposed to eat pigs and even anyone who would dare to touch the the body of um, the carcass of a pig is called unclean and you know when you're unclean you have to do something like reach out to become clean so um let's say and um, jesus christ spoke this parable and this son and then the father they were jews so you could see that this son um, was in need he was uh, he was a high servant and he was doing an abominable work according to the jewish customs he was not supposed to like eat or eat pigs but then he had he was so so much in need that it was what he had to do to survive so um it's like he had to forego his judgment of right and wrong like this what their customs say, you're not supposed to eat pigs or red them, but this is the kind of job that he found himself doing. So as you delve deeper and deeper and deeper in sin, it will leave you to nothing. And it will get to some time, your judgment of good reasoning will all be clouded and you'll not be able to, even though you will know the difference between right and wrong, you will go for that which is wrong because perhaps you wouldn't have any other thing to do so then it's not something that we have to play with or we shouldn't consider um, the life outside the father time and even the worst is yes to come it's obviously bad but there's the worst part so um, i'm reading from 16. the bible says and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pots that the swine ate and no one gave him anything so this son was so so in need that he he was so hungry that he even desires to be fed with the food given to these pigs like like if you could consider it like desiring the food of such animals you could see that he was reduced to nothing like he was shameful and he was pathetic his his situation was so so bad but the bible says that even though he desired he was not given so he was in so much need and if you could consider it like he was at his rock bottom like the worst state he could ever be so this son went out he went out of the father's house with so much but then he ended with nothing he set out in high expectations i'm going to find a better place i'm going to find better conditions of living i'm going to have joy but then he ended up in sorrow obviously if i were in his state there's no way i'm going to be happy about my situation and he started as the he set off as the son of a very noble father but then he ended 
as a servant, a hired servant who was in bondage. So it's obvious that this son believed a lie, a big lie, that there was the life outside his father's house was better. It's never true. Sin is never the better way out. Okay, so you, if you have like a decision to make, one is sinful and one is the righteous way. Even if the, the righteous way is a difficult way, I ask you and I entreat you to take the righteous way. See me look enticing, see me look pleasurable, see me look good, but then the way, the end is always disastrous. So sin never leaves you better than you were. It only destroys you on the surface. It will look enticing. See, in our days, our friends, the media, now we advertise and even things like now sin has become more enticing. The media all over is advertising things to look more enticing. Sins of um, premarital sex, dishonesty, last four things like pornography, hypocrisy, and our days, the laziness and procrastination. They all look satisfying and pleasurable initially, but the, the Bible says that there's the way that seem right to a person but the end ends in death so do not be impressed by by the wayward life if your friends or people around you are working in sin and they seem to be happy they seem to be enjoying themselves do not be impressed do not be taken or carried away the end is very disastrous and walk with god and keep staying in the father's house and you will never regret it so Sin looks pleasurable, but then if you would consider someone who is a drug addict, whose life has been miserable, had lost the marriage, home, I'm sure we considered, we saw some of the documentaries on people who were addicted to trauma some time ago, and if you would consider them, look at their states and how they are still craving for the particular substance which destroys them, you will know that sin is not like something we ought to play with. So we should flee from sin, that's what the Bible tells us. So sin destroys, sin is never the better way out, and there is joy in God, there is peace in God, there is contentment in God and to be honest with you my life like I've never had as much joy as much peace as much contentment as I have right now in the Lord I lived and um, I initially lived as I wanted but then now in Christ I have so so much joy and so so much peace than like I had before my walk with Christ and some people think that walking with Christ is just like a list of rules that you have to live in in the Father's house just like flowing rules but then there is really joy in God's house and I'll share one testimony and when I was on campus it got to some time um, it was break time um, after lectures and I was so so depressed I don't know whether I can't really remember why I was in such a mood but I was depressed I was very sad and I couldn't just like know why perhaps maybe the previous lecture I didn't really understand it during break time I took my bible and I went to Job and um, the latter parts of Job like I think 34, 35, and after Job and his friends, they spoke and spoke and spoke. There's this man called Elihu. He came and then he spoke and he like he reprimanded um, Job for speaking the way he did. And as I read what Elihu said about God, he was justifying God. That God is just. God is never um, to destroy um, Job. And he, he talked about the great gates works of God. And as I read it, I was so, so filled with joy and peace and the, the depressive mood had left. And I didn't even like 
before I realized I was happy, I was joyful. Yes, in Christ there is joy, there is peace, there is contentment. And as we say, there is no place like home. And your home is with God who is your father. So do not leave him to go outside. And as you can see from the younger son's life, he took everything of his father. He gathered his possessions, he squandered it, and he began to be in want. He had to become a hired slave. He had nothing to eat, and like he was in so so much need. So we we can see that God's commandment was that we should um, we should live a good life. We should flee from sexual immorality. They are not to chain us, and it's not like God's standard is high, but all these commandments are to protect us. And God tells us not to sin, not to leave His house, because they are to protect us. And it's because He loves us that that's why He gives us these commandments. So God's commandments of us not to fall into sin are even expressions of His love to us. So let us pay it to God. And the last thing I would want to say before I invite my friends to also come and share their views is that um, it's from. In verses 17 and 19, the Bible says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have enough bread to spare? And I perish in hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house, my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And the Verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So the Bible says that he came to himself and he realized, I, I think that was his, um, his realization points that he came to himself and he realized that life outside the father's house is not better after all. And a lot of times we wait and we delve deeper in sin before we realize that truly sin does not really pay so we shouldn't wait we shouldn't go before we now come to the realization that like life with god is better than life being a slave of the devil so he came to himself and he said that when he goes to his father he will tell him that father i have sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be your servant make me one of your hired servants so um it's also important that we recognize that we are wrong. When we do things which are not right, or so when we go wrong, we should accept our mistakes and repent. So he said, I have sinned against heaven. And, and he didn't only realize that living was a mistake. He also knew that what he had done was sinful against his father. And he said that I am no longer worthy to be called your son make me one of your servants. So that's what the son thought that perhaps because of the gravity of his sin, perhaps his father would not want him anymore. So he wants to go as a servant. So that's my question to you. And what will be your response if you were the father? Like be real, what will be your response if your son told you that father, I wish you were dead. He went out, spent your money, squandered everything. And then he's willing to come back, will you be willing to accept him? So um, I'll invite my friends and next week we'll be talking about his journey back home and his father's response. So I'm done and then I'll invite some and the rest also share their views. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What would be your response if you were the father? The parable of the loving father. God bless you, Mama Bene. You would like to invite Abner 
kindly give us your commentary on life outside the father's house. Okay, so from what Bennett said, Bennett has said almost everything, so I'll just highlight on a few points. So, first of all, you were wondering, life outside the father's house, what it's thought to be? And mostly people think it's all about freedom and pleasure, but Bennett stated that true freedom is inside the father's house and not outside the father's house. And I want us to know that there's nothing profitable for you in this world or outside the Father's house. Outside the Father's house is this world. And God holds all the benefits that we can ever think of. And today may not be promising. Maybe you are in a situation, you are in the Father's house, but you feel like you are not progressing with your life. But trust me, tomorrow will be flourishing. So we always have the choice to choose. God never forces his way on us or his will on us. We have the choice to choose. So I'll advise all of us to choose wisely. And with the ending statement, sometimes we find ourselves in the shoes of the prodigal son, where sometimes we have the grace of God upon our lives and we squander the grace God gives us and we trade it for worthless treasures like freedom, money, and all sorts of fun and joy in quotes and at a point when we realize that we are unworthy of god's love and we feel empty we have no joy we have no peace then we are compelled to turn back to god and that's exactly what happened to the prodigal son and it always happens around us a lot of situations around us you see maybe even not you you see others around you your friends your family members where such things happen to them so as we are discussing this i want us to always remember that we always have a choice so we should always choose to dwell in the father's house thank you god bless you so much abna we will invite benji to give us a commentary okay thank you very much um, i think i also learned a lot from what the woman of god shared with us and one thing I want to touch on is what she spoke about. I think in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it is when he came to himself, but when he came to that realization or when he repented. I think this is one very important thing for us as children of God or sons of God. The, the guy, or if I should say, the man was already a son. And the Bible says that, he had to repent or he had to come to himself he had to come to his senses um i want to say that repentance is not only for unbelievers sometimes repentance is for us as the children or the sons of god because when you come into christ the life of christ is not reproduced in you or it's not reproducing us automatically or fully so um you'd have to work towards becoming like Jesus Christ. And one thing you have to realize is that anytime you sin or anytime you fall away from the right way, you quickly have to repent when the Holy Spirit convicts you. Yeah, so repentance is not only for unbelievers. But I think in the book of Romans chapter 7, Paul was saying that even though he was a believer then, he was saying that he found a Lord that was working in his members, that's in his flesh. I was working against the will of God for his life. In the last verse, he said that, Oh, poor wretched man, who shall save me from this body of corruption? Yeah, so repentance is not only for unbelievers. It is for also for us as the children of God. Anytime we realize, anytime the Holy Spirit draws our 
minds or convicts us of sin, we should quickly repent and then turn back to the Father. And one thing I, I would like to add is, I think in our first series, that's who told you, the first episode, if I, my memory sets me right, um, about Cain, God told him that sin was crouching at his door. He had to, God told him that he had to master sin. So it's also a duty and responsibility as children of God. After we have repented, we should learn to grow so that we will be able to master sin anytime it crouches at our door. Because once we are living in this world, sin will come to us again and again. Just as Jesus Christ, the Bible said that after the devil tempted him, he departed from him for a season. Yeah, so sin is not going to move away from us forever. Once we are in this, it's going to always be with us. But it is the will of God for us that we must start sin and then overcome it. Yeah, so thank you very much. God bless us all. Amen. God bless you too. Indeed, his words are like and sweeter than honey. We would like to invite Baba. Kindly give us a commentary on life outside the Father's house. Okay, so as Bene rightly said, Life outside the father's house, you can't predict and then it offers nothing better. Maybe it might be unfortunate for you that you leave the father's house and then you might not find your roots back to the father's house. So life outside the father's house is something that we should all strive not to get to that point whereby we leave the father's house and then go and be stranded outside because it's not easy outside the father's house it's not pleasant outside the father's house and then everything outside the father's house is sin and reproach and then god despises that so i believe that we should all strive to be in the father's house because outside the father's house offers nothing better amen amen and amen god bless you all so much I don't know why I'm smiling, but it's just so nice to share fellowship in God's word. So life outside the Father's house is simply talking about life outside the influence of the Father. Because as long as you are in the Father's house, you are under the influence of the Father. And that's what happens when ever we disobey. Disobedience is simply a declaration of our independence of God. So whenever God says, do not take this 10 Ghana cities, and you take the 10 Ghana cities, what you are doing is that you are taking a step outside the Father's house. And so that's the interesting thing too about obedience, or whenever we decide to act on God's word. The good thing is that whenever we act on God's word, we are making God responsible to perform. That's all. That is why we should always be bold to do the will of God. So for example, when you, let's say, where you are praying for the sick. You are placing the burden of healing upon the shoulders of God because it is in accordance to his word. So in reality, death in the father's house is a life of freedom because indirectly you are doing nothing but what your father does. And you see, let me give this scenario to help us understand it. When we are young or we were younger, we all wanted, okay, for me, we all wanted to leave home. Uh, I think when it was the first time we were coming to the university, many of us were excited because we are no longer under the influence of our parents. We could do anything we want to do, etc. But one of the greatest, if I should say, one of my greatest struggles, <laughs> and I always make this joke that I can't wait to get married, because 
it's really a burden thinking about what you eat three times or two times a day or once a day. And that's the kind of idea or that's the kind of shadow that happens in the father's house. When we are in the father's house, we are under the responsibility of the father. We are under the provision and the care of the father. So whenever you act in disobedience, you are declaring your independence of God. And as long as you act on God's way, you are making God responsible for the result. And it's no wonder that immediately a guy stepped out of the father's house. And you see, it's very interesting. He was not even desiring to be a, a son, but he has now lowered his, he has now stepped down again. The one who was now commanding servants, bring me this, bring me that. He can lay in bed and say, hey, today come and buckle my shoe. This same person, look at his desire. He's having the desire to be a servant. And one thing that I'm really, or I'm making personal in my life. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm not yet made it personal. I'm really making it personal. One of the things that one of the spiritual authorities in my life like to see is that the Bible is so real. I've not lived long at all, but my very few years I've seen that Charlie. For example, when the Bible says that don't marry an unbeliever, I trust it. Trust the word. Seriously. <laughs> it was my few interactions with people. I just, every day, I just see the Bible play out in my life. I just see how when God is instruction, I just see the results, both positively and negatively, how it plays out in my life. Sometimes I just smile. Sometimes I just read a particular scripture, or I just see a particular scenario, or let's say the result of dishonoring parents, for example. Then I just look at it, and I just have a few friends who are going to, and I just look, wow, the Bible is so real decide to stay in the father's house really decide to stay in the father's house. and i like one statement made. she said that god's instructions are not restriction okay i don't know why she said it that way i'm paraphrasing it that god's instructions are not restrictions they are rather safety boundaries and i know we have seen this scenario every day so when a parent tells a child don't play with the fire the parent is not robbing the child of the pleasures of playing with the fire or playing with the knife or playing with the gasoline no but the parent is protecting the child. So I really want to encourage us that let's stick in the boundaries of the father. Let us decide to remain in the father's house. So I would like to know if anybody has a question or any other contribution. Well, I just I just wrote something down when I saw that I, I think I would just like to say it also. And it says that as long as God has qualified you for life, he has qualified you for his love. As long as God has qualified you for the gift of life, you are qualified for his love. That's the first thing that Bennett made when she was talking about that God does not necessarily rejoice when 10,000 people are saved. But just one person that is saved, God rejoices. as if his team has scored a goal in, in the Champions League final. And that is just letting us know that as long as God has qualified you to see another day, you are qualified for his love. No matter how far you have gone outside the father's house. I know one thing that sin makes us do, and I think people call it a deception of sin. I'm, I'm not yet sure about the ending, but, but let's talk about the father. How sin can deceive you in thinking that you are no longer qualified to be a son. So now this son is now thinking of himself as a servant. This son is now desiring pig's food. But we came to remind any of you that is listening to us that no matter how far you are in, you are outside the father's house. The father is standing at the window. Let me not jump ahead of myself. But this is a call to us that as long as God has qualified you to see another day, you are still qualified for his love. So does anybody have any question or any further contribution before we take our word of prayer?
All right. So our word of prayer will be taken from what the sun's resolution. That is in the verse 17. Yeah. On the verse 17. It's about the fact that the Bible said that, and when he came to himself, I would like to read the scripture. Yes, the verse 17. It said, I'll be using different versions. One version said that finally he came to his senses. <laughs> the other one said that the son began to think about what he has done. Another version said that and when he came to himself, we want to pray to God. Our Father always brings us to our senses. One of the most deadliest states you can ever be in life is when you cannot come back to your senses. When you cannot make a reasonable conclusion that the life outside the father's house is a life of waste it's a life of building castles in the air but you want to pray to god our father whenever we make and whenever we take a step outside your house may we always come to our senses lord whenever we are taking steps outside your house bring us to our senses lord may we always come to the reasonable conclusion that if while we were yet sinners while we had no business with god while we were cursing God, whilst we were enemies of God, you died for us. How much more now that we are your sons? I pray for anybody to listening to us. And may you come back to your senses. God is calling you. God is reminding you that, sweetheart, come back home. Sweetheart, come back home. May you come back to your senses. There is no need to live in sin. There is no need to live outside the Father's house. Father, whenever, in 20 years to come, Father, we send for this prayer ahead of us. That in 20 years to come, that in 30 years to come, that in 50 years to come, whenever we step outside the Father's house, may you bring us back to our senses. May we always remember, Lord, that we are members of the household of God, that no matter how far we go, may we come back to our senses in the name of our Lord Jesus. And when he came back to himself, Father, may we always come to ourselves in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Many of us have fallen for so many lies of the devil. But tonight, through the agency of the word of God and through the spirit, our minds have been renewed. That disobedience is a declaration of our independence from God. And God's instructions are not restrictions, but they are safety bounds. And I pray that we will live in the reality of this word, that our minds will be renewed, that we will never fall for the lives of the devil. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. God bless you all, and we really, really appreciate you for, for listening to us. We really want to encourage you that as you are cleaning your room, as you are cooking, try and play this word over and over again because they are renewing your mind. And we really, really want to appreciate you. You want to see the people that are downloading it each and every day. It's really refreshing, and we are believing God that through the agency of the word of God, our minds will be renewed so that we will be transformed to look like the best book. Remember to give God your best. And make sure that the only thing you owe anybody is love. God bless you. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye. My soul longs for you. My soul longs for you. This heart beats for you.